Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for joining with us today. Let's get started. Are you a life coach, author, speaker, and entrepreneur who is serious about getting massive exposure for your business? You need to secure your seat at the inaugural New Media Summit and get the high-level visibility you deserve. Come see me and 40 other high-profile media influencers this September 21st through the 24th of 2017 in beautiful San Diego, California. At this summit, you will receive detailed training on leveraging and monetizing the power of new media and to connect with me and other high-profile media celebrities who can make you famous with the push of a button. However, seating is limited, so reserve your spot today. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and the first thing you see is a link to this phenomenal event. Simply click on the link and purchase your ticket today. Remember, this is the number one event for connecting with the world's leading influencers and getting booked on today's most listened to, watched, and read new media outlets. So purchase your ticket today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and purchase your ticket there. I look forward to meeting you very soon. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you focus on reprioritizing your life. I'll also be interviewing author Felice Cohen, who shares her story of moving into a 96-square-foot apartment and how it taught her how to reprioritize her life. You all know me as a psychotherapist, but some of you may not yet know me as a composer. I currently have two albums which have been released. Think of both albums like books. Each composition is written like a chapter in a book. The first album, Consolation, explores a character's grief and loss. And just like in any book, the story explores a character's heartache and eventually he finds healing and hope. The second album, Restoration, explores a character's personal development. He has an awakening, and in that awakening, he recognizes all the things in his life which aren't healthy, and it helps him come to a place of restoration, being restored to something greater than before. You may purchase both albums on iTunes or any other digital music store. The names of the albums are Consolation and Restoration, and my stage name is James S. Miller. The name of the piece you're currently hearing is from the second album, Restoration, entitled Determination. One day, the father of a very wealthy family took his son on a trip to the country with the express purpose of showing him how poor people live. He spent a couple days and nights on the farm of what would be considered a very poor family. On the return from their trip, the father asked his son, How was the trip? It was great, Dad. Did you see how poor people live? The father asked. Oh, yes, said the son. So tell me, what did you learn from the trip? Asked the father. The son answered, I saw that we have one dog and they had four. We have a pool that reaches out to the middle of our garden and they have a creek that has no end. We have imported lanterns into our garden and they have the stars at night. Our patio reaches to the front yard and they have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on and they have fields that go beyond our sight. We have servants who serve us, but they serve others. We buy our food, but they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us, but they have their friends to protect them. The boy's father was speechless. Then his son added, Thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we really are. Reprioritizing your life. When we were children, we were very focused on playing with our friends. Many of us prefer to do that rather than our schoolwork, and our priorities shifted based off of where we were in life. One of the difficulties when it comes to looking at this from a stage of development is we often look at it in decades. For example, in your 20s, you're in college, then you find your first career. In your 30s, you're working on your career, you're working on building your family. In your 40s, you're in upper management. And then in your 50s and 60s is when you really start to enjoy life. 
But the problem is when we focus on those specific decades, what worked for us at the beginning of the decade doesn't mean it really works for us in the middle or the last part of that decade. It's really important for us to reprioritize our life all the time. We each have a different measurement of what success looks like. For some people, it's financial. For other people, it's status. And for other people, it's different things. Priorities we have in every stage of our life will often dictate where all of our focus and energy go. Many people focus specifically on financial stability, and that makes perfect sense. You definitely want to do that. However, when we look at reprioritizing our life, we need to look at it day by day. If I have a very busy schedule, but if I know that I have to work out every day to reduce any stress or anxiety that I have, well, then I have to do that. My priority, regardless of how much work I have, my priority is my health and wellness. So I have to figure out when I'm going to do that. The priorities we have in every moment determine how successful we're going to be. So the grand scheme of things, we have these huge priorities, but on the daily basis and just even how we run our life will determine how successful we're going to be. One thing I always have people do is create a scale. I've talked about this particular scale in previous episodes. So the scale is pretty much on fulfillment and happiness. So on the horizontal line, you're going to create as many subjects or categories as you can think of. For example, your health and wellness, your finances, your friendships, your intimate relationships, your spirituality, diet, your exercise, all these different types of categories are important because the more you can break it down into categories, the more specific you're going to be to rate the level of fulfillment that you have. And then on the vertical line, you're going to have tick marks from one to 10. 10 is the most fulfilled you feel, and one is the least amount of fulfillment you have. So when you take some time to look at all this, and then you can accurately graph how you feel about each one of those categories, which will determine in what part of your life you're feeling fulfilled. Sometimes we think the priorities we have are really priorities, but they're not. For whatever reason, other things have gotten in the way, and what we thought was a priority really isn't. And when that happens, we're really working to no end. We're overly committed to certain areas of our life, which are not bringing the return and the happiness that we originally thought. So this graph is really important for you to kind of map out where you are in your life at the moment. Sometimes we're focused so much on one particular element of our life that we realize that our life is unbalanced. Sometimes we work more at our job so we can have more things, which is nothing wrong with that, but it becomes a vicious cycle, working more and more to have more, which that means you don't have time to really enjoy it because you have to work more to pay for it. Experiences versus materialistic things is a really important philosophy. Remember, the experiences that you have, those are beautiful memories that no one can take away. And you can always reflect on those. And those memories and experiences allow you to grow and develop in a way that you've never experienced before. If you find that you're overbalanced in some areas and are not being fulfilled in the majority of your life, then today is the day to reprioritize your life. Experience amazing, healthy things that you've never experienced before. Your priorities can either take all of your time and drain you of your energy, or they can revitalize you and free you up to do even more of the things that you enjoy in your life. I wanted to take a quick minute just to thank all of you who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. It's been an absolutely amazing journey for me. There are so many wonderful things that are happening over here on this end that I definitely want to share with you. So for the next few months, every person who signs up for my newsletter is going to be put into a drawing. And in this monthly drawing, whomever wins is going to get a free 30-minute Skype call with me, James Miller, to see if James Miller Lifeology can help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, and the newsletter will pop up. Simply put in your name and your email, and it will immediately enter you into the drawing for this free 30-minute Skype call with me. So sign up for the newsletter today. My guest today is Felice Cohen. As a writer, she found she couldn't afford the expensive rent in New York City, so she ended up living in a 90-square-foot apartment for five years. This literally changed her life. Welcome to my show, Felice. 
Hey, thanks, James, for having me. It's such a pleasure. I've never met someone who's experienced this before, so I can't wait to hear about it. This is amazing. 90-square-foot apartment. What? I don't even know where to start with this. How, how did... <laughs> I'm really gobsmacked here. How did this? How did this even come about? So I know that you're a writer and that you wanted to, you know, to, to you couldn't afford the rent, of course, in New York City. How did you stumble across a 90 square foot apartment? Well, I had uh, I was looking to find a place to move into. I wanted to quit my job, my stressful job, and finish writing my first book about my grandfather. And uh-huh. uh, I wanted to also experience living in Manhattan. I love the Upper West Side. The prices were, the rents were out of control. And I was talking to a friend I hadn't spoken to in a while. She called out of the blue and I said, you know, I'm looking for a place. And she said she has a friend who is looking. So she warned me it's small. And I <laughs> thought, how small could it be? You know, I've been working as a professional organizer for years in the city and I'd seen all sizes. But I went in and um, it was also a mess. I mean, so when I walked in, it was it's 12 feet by seven and a half feet. So if you oh want to know what it's like, probably go into your closet. And uh, you can get an idea. There's the outside of the of my Honda Accord. That's pretty much the size of it. Wow. But it was also a mess. And when any space is a mess, it's going to look smaller. But as an organizer, I, I was trained at seeing the order under the chaos. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? It's just for a year. I can do it. And um, so I said, okay. I ended up staying five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I loved it so much. I stayed another yeah. four years. <laughs> well, so I, as I'm thinking about that, I mean, I'm going to totally stereotype all of Western society, which is totally not fair, but I'm part of this as well. In the sense of, you know, you look at all those TV shows, um, you know, the uh, the house seekers, whatever they're called uh, on those TV shows. And they always are like, it's so small. And it's like a 3000 square foot home. <laughs> and like, I need something this big yeah. or I need this. And it's all about how big something is. How did you go from... The mentality of maybe the Western culture, and by no means am I stereotyping you as well, but the majority of people, big is bigger is better. How did you go from that to say, all right, this 12 foot by seven home or 12 foot by seven room is going to be my life? How did you even go from, I guess, what we're often trained to think to this? Because that's a huge paradigm shift. Well, I grew up in a huge house. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a huge house, and I always thought one day I would live in a huge house. In my mm-hmm. bedroom too, growing yeah. up, I had. I had two walk-in closets that were together almost 90 square feet. And I just always thought that's what I would end up in. So when I moved into (laughs) this space, yeah, exactly. So when I moved into this tiny space, I really thought I'm only going to be here for a year. I put 77 boxes of stuff into storage. I said, I'll get it when my year is over. You know how fast a year goes. Mm -hmm. But something happened during that year. So I didn't move in. This was in 2007. So it was before the tiny house movement. It was before tiny house TV shows. It was before tiny was a thing. So I moved in just thinking I'd stay a year. And because of what happened during that year, I said, well, I want to stay another year and another. And my life just got so much better. Mm. My stress went down. My free time went up. I had more time to write and to ride my bike and travel and visit family And every year that I decided to stay, I would go back to storage and I would go through my stuff. And little by little, I started being like, I don't need this. And I would get rid of it and get rid of it. And then after five years, I had gotten rid of all 77 boxes. Wow. 
Wow, you just that's... realize you don't need all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. On, on a personal note here, I, I, um, so I moved down from Washington, D.C. almost two years ago to southern Florida. And I went from a D.C. area type of condos to a small little bungalow down here in Florida. And then I moved from there to something very smaller. So I am in a studio apartment myself. I mean, granted, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it has 18-foot ceiling, so it's not like, <laughs> it's, nice. not like it's a small place. But, it, it's, but you know, it's like a five, 600-square-foot place. So for me, you know, to go from what I had to this... I absolutely love it. I mean, so I'm not, by no means am I comparing myself to you at all because I, 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 <laughs> I don't know if I could go to do what you've done, which obviously worked out so well for you. But I know for me, on a personal note, for me to come down to a place that's smaller and to get rid of so many things, you know, when I look around my house, all I have are my essentials. You know, I don't, I don't have anything else, you know. I've always been the type of person, I don't like to have tchotchkes and things around and clutter. I just, I'm a very... Spartan, I suppose, in that respect. And so for me, this has worked out really well. But I, I want to go back to you, but I just wanted to tell my listeners in the specifics of, you know, I kind of went through that myself. Sure. But how, when you said that you found that your life was less stressful, that it was less um, chaotic, what do you think was the part that really caused it to change? I mean, because, you know, you said you were in a job that you didn't like so much. Um, but then, so when you're in your space, and how did, how did it create more space for you, in other words? Maybe that's a better way to ask. <sighs> Yeah, I think, you know, stuff takes up space, I say, physically and mentally. So there's the physical stuff that we're tripping over. There's the stuff that we have to clean and organize and the stuff that we have to work to pay for. Mm -hmm. We have to pay for that Mm -hmm. stuff, so we have to work. And then there's the mental, like you said, you like Spartan, you like, like people see piles, and I've worked with so many people, piles and stuff creates anxiety. It does. So like a move from Washington to Florida, I mean, your life just kind of, relaxes a little the weather you don't need all the heavy clothing yeah. and but you need less stuff and and your life is about the experiences around you and that's what I was learning because with a high stressful job I was working tons of hours I was working all the time and I was writing a column as well and I was still organizing and when I got rid of that crazy job by moving into this place, I could afford to do that because I was paying $700 in rent, which is a lot, but in New York, it's like free. Yeah, exactly. And I had saved, I, yeah, I had saved for years and I thought this is what I want to use my money towards to kind of help pay for my expenses so that I can live more. Mm. And so, that was like the aha moment. So experiential versus material is the reframe. Stuff, that you yeah. Did. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You buy, yeah, you buy stuff and you're excited for a day or two and you wear it or whatever it is. And then it, it ends up in a shelf or the back mm-hmm. of a closet. And it's like, oh my God. And you know, I have clients who say they can't get rid of clothes. I spent so much money on that. And I say, but if you're not wearing it, you're wasting the money. I yeah. mean, it's too late now, but if you can donate it to someone else, then you feel better. And at least it's being used. Exactly. Yeah. It's being used to, to, to yeah. help someone or, you know, to bring someone else joy. You know, I find for myself in my current space, because I am, well, I, well, we'll get to this in a second, but I often find that, you know, the smaller the space, the more quickly it becomes disorganized. <laughs> Meaning, yeah. you know, if, if I can have, you know, my house can be completely clean one day, then all of a sudden if I have grocery or if I have dishes in the sink or, I, you know, I have my computer on or different things, I'm like, oh my God, this place is a mess. You know, everyone else would see and be like, James, calm down. But it's really true in the sense of you really, because the more space you have, out of sight, out of mind, you know, you don't go into a room for a while. You don't see how, what it looks like. But when you currently have just the necessities, you, I, th- I find that you, you take, I don't say better care of that, but you're more organized. You're more structured. 
Because it causes you, you know, we look at the brain frequencies, brain frequencies, whatever you see determines what is considered structure or chaos. And in, in a psychological realm, so if I'm looking at everything that is, it's, there's order, in other words, structure everywhere, then that allows me to then focus on the, my, what I need to do. But if I'm looking around and all I see is chaos, well, then that's going to in turn cause chaos within my, my brain, which then causes me to have chaos within my body. And so they just, it's a very symbiotic relationship in that respect of mm. one causes the other. It, it's, it's very cause and effect and vice versa. Have you found that that's, that's very absolutely. similar for you? I mean, obviously, doing, being a professional organizer as well as the other amazing things that you're doing, have you found that that's what's what a lot of your um, your clients have noticed as well? Yeah, I think really it's it's any size, and definitely if you if you have a big place and you don't go into rooms, but I think the smaller the space, the easier it is to keep organized mm-hmm. because for me, everything has to have a home. It's like yeah. I look at your home as like a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle, and everything you own is a piece. And the, where does that piece go? Everything should have a place where it goes. And if it does, then it's easy to clean up. I mean, sure, there's dishes and you do the dishes and, and they have a place where they belong. But when you start to have all this extra stuff and it's just has no place to go mm-hmm. and then you have to like shove it into the closet or it's out on the couch or your dining room table is covered with stuff, then that, yeah, it's chaotic. I mean... I've worked with hoarders. I've worked mm. with even people that are just kind of messy. And yeah. it's it's really about kind of what do I really need and want? You know? And I love the great thing about this. There's... Um in fact, there was a, I saw it on YouTube. It's it's a place in New York, and I won't mention the name of it. But it repurp- it's, it talks about all the different types of um, um, like furniture that it's multiple things. You know, it's um, you know like a a small little table opens up into like a seven foot table, <laughs> which yeah. I don't know why you went that big. Or you know, a little <laughs> stool turns into like twenty chairs. It's like wait, what? I mean, it's it's just like little transformers here and there. And it's so neat to see how you know if something. It can be multi-purpose and so multi-dimensional, I suppose, in so many different ways. And and I love that concept of we don't need to have twenty different things when you can have one thing that actually does all twenty things. Right. Yeah. Now you have Absolutely. a YouTube channel as well, right? Didn't you have like a video that you got like so like millions of hits, I believe? Yeah. So the video was made by a woman who made videos, who makes videos of small spaces. Yeah, it has almost sixteen million hits now. Um, I did start a YouTube channel of just like before and after uh-huh. videos of organizing space. But yeah, the video is really what just kind of set the whole ball rolling. I wonder if I've so, seen that. I, I know that you sent it to me. I didn't get a chance to look at it. But I remember when I was kind of going through this transition, I was looking up. I don't know, just all those different types of things like that. And I saw actually quite a few in, in New York City. So for all I know, I probably saw yours as well and didn't, really, didn't put it together until, until maybe just now. <laughs> so when you, when you, I want to go back to the whole aspect of um, 12 foot by 7 foot. Because I know a lot of my listeners are going to be like, well, what did she have in there? What was really in that space? So I had everything I needed. Um, you know, there wasn't a kitchen. Mm-hmm. I had a little cabinet with a toaster oven on it. And, um, and then I used the sink in the bathroom, that little airplane size sink, but there were high ceilings. So I had gotten these, um, Metro shelves that you can adjust. And I had mm-hmm. about three of them on one side and, and I made a desk out of one shelf. And then I had one wall was brick and I wanted to keep that open because I loved how it looked. And I bought a little chaise and that kind of became my living room. Mm -hmm. And then there was a ladder and then there was a closet and then a ladder that went up to the loft bed where you couldn't sit up in the bed. Mm. There were only 23 inches of space. And, uh, first night I had a panic attack. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, it was, I had a friend stay over cause I thought I'd fall out. And, uh, when I woke up, 
she, like she was there, the walls, the ceiling. And I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going <sighs> to? And I, I ran down the ladder and, and then I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I finally calmed down. And she reminded me, she's like, why did you choose to live here? And I thought about my reason. It was to write about my grandfather mm, yeah. who was in the Holocaust. And I was like, after what he went through, this is nothing. Oh, is it's a beautiful reframe. Yeah. And then after that, I thought I never had a problem again. And yeah. in fact, I would have stayed longer. But because of the video, um, the landlord saw me on Good Morning America. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and uh, I was evicted. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Why? Yeah. I, I wasn't on the lease. I wasn't supposed to be subletting. But you know what? I feel like everything works out for a reason. Yeah, it does, yeah. And I bought a place. I oh, saved that's up, wonderful. You know. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. You're like, I, and I bought a place that's even smaller. <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah, just kidding. <laughs> that's five times bigger, if you can imagine. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. But, that's wonderful. Yeah. How do you spread your message of, um, you know, less is more? How do you spread that to, to the people around you? Well, when I, when I work with a new client or when I speak, you know, I'm speaking in all these places all over, and I ask people not what do you want to get rid of, but what do you love to do? Mm. What do you love to do? And why aren't you doing more of it? And for a lot of people, the answer is because of stuff, because they have to work to pay for their stuff or their mortgage or their rent. And by just kind of, you know, we, we, that's the American dream, mm -hmm. the big house filled with stuff. And by just, you know, seeing what you really want to do and what you love to do, by just kind of getting rid of some stuff and by getting rid of expenses, because for the most part, it's not how much you make, it's how much you spend. Mm. That's, a, that's a really good point, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I found and that's how I'm able to really just live the life I want to live. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, I mean, it's, 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 it's makes literally makes perfect sense in that respect that we, many people work to buy and, and in that, at the end of the day, what do they have? Just a room full of stuff. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's so true in the sense of experiences. I mean, because at the end of the day, you're, you have a beautiful memory and that memory is something nobody can take away. It's not going to fall apart. It's not going to break. It's not going to, it's not going to run out of its warranty. <laughs> You're going to be able right. to always have that in your mind and be able to just really, you know, review yeah. that, revisit it anytime you want. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was living, I'm living in Manhattan and right outside my door, Central Park and Lincoln Center mm. and restaurants and theater. And that was my backyard. So I didn't really feel cramped in that tiny space ever. Well, you know, and I think that's a really good point because I think it also just gets people outside as well. It gets them out in their community, out in their environment. You know, I know for me, you know, living in my, the space that I have, you know, there's a little park that's literally right next door. So me and my dog will go sit out there. He loves to sunbathe. And, <laughs> and that right next to that's a coffee shop. So that's kind of, I like to think of that as like my extended, my extended living room. And then downstairs I have this beautiful clubhouse that's just looks like a loft apartment. And, you know, I can go down there and have parties. I can do whatever I want. And so I just think of it as my community or my neighborhood is like my backyard. It's my, it's like all connected, yeah. <laughs> even though nobody knows totally. that. And I've totally taken over in my community, <laughs> but, but I think, but I think that's a really good point that you said, you know, you had all those wonderful things for yourself that really got you outside. So you, and once again, it creates more experiences because I think if people are so insular and are in their house all the time and they're, they're, they're not connected to the world around them, they're not present in the world around them. So I think that's a really good point and a beautiful takeaway in the sense of you were much more interactive in your community, in your world, in, in the areas around you because you didn't have to maintain those things, which at the end of the day didn't bring you joy. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's just stuff. And as, and as you move on in your life, how are you finding that this has kind of revolutionized your own way of life? You know, you know to go from uh, such a small place and then as you've bought a new place and as you transitioned it to something bigger and better, not, not literally, but figuratively, how have, you, um, how have you found that you still instill those same tenets that you learned in your everyday life? Well, you know, now I have a mortgage mm-hmm. and uh, I, my friends joke that I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't know what to do with so much space, but I pretty much still live like I'm living in 90 square feet. I mean, it's a little bigger place. It's a one bedroom and I love having friends over for dinner and family visiting and all that, but I don't have a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. I have the basics. I have a beautiful kitchen. I love um, being home. I love being in my space, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to fill it with stuff and I'm able to just... I, you know, I freelance work. I have clients that I go to and I go and I speak and I write and I just do, I wake up in the morning and I do what I want to do. And that's because I'm not a prisoner of my stuff. So many of us are. And and I, and I agree. I mean, I, I, as I hear you talk, I hear you, you can tell that your life sounds fulfilled. You know, I hear it in your voice. I hear the fact that you, you, you know, some people may be like, oh, and, and this, I'm totally stereotyping people. Some people may say, oh, she, she doesn't have, you know, she doesn't have this, she doesn't have that. She doesn't have the quote unquote American vision of what success is as far as a corporate job, you know, this, you know, this standard here, this over here, whatever that, that may be, which was wonderful for some people. But for you, I hear it in your voice. I hear just the contentment of, I can do whatever I want. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm accountable to myself. I'm accountable to my own happiness and, and making those decisions of a freelance uh, or the different freelance work that you do, the, the clients that you have. You literally can do whatever you want, whenever you want, because you have created a space and a life for you that you that you have no debt, if you will. And what I mean by no debt is not towards the financial thing, but you have no debt to your past of having to, to pay back all those things because you pay back with your time. You pay back with your being stuck in a certain place. And so you don't have to pay back to all of those materialistic things that you once had because you set yourself free from all that. So I think it's such a beautiful thing to be able to hear that you, you do have that ability to, to do whatever you want whenever you want. And it wasn't probably an easy decision to make, but on the back side of it, on this side of it, it sounds like it was one of the most healthiest decisions you could ever have made. Absolutely. I mean, I had the big time job mm-hmm. and it was, it was stressful. Yeah. It was, oh my God. And, and then I lived in a shoebox for five years. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I've done all these things and, and now I'm just kind of able to do what I want to do exactly. And you know, it's, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's, it's wonderful life. Knock on wood. Yeah. What advice would you give the people, you know, the people listening to my show right now about you know, maybe just throw materialistic things or just, I don't know, just overall, what, what do you think would be the, the biggest lesson you've learned thus far in your life? You know, I moved to New York cause I wanted to be a writer and, uh, it was a struggle, but I just, I, you know, my free time, I just kept writing, even if I got rejection letters and it's just sticking to it and just believing it can happen. And, uh, and just, just, just keep working at it. And just keep a positive attitude and uh, just keep working at it. I mean, you know, my grandfather survived the Holocaust. So everything else is, yeah. is easy in comparison. <laughs> in so, comparison, I mean, yeah. That was, yeah. That was what he taught us. Just, you know, work hard. And that's all I do. I mean, I work hard in everything I do, but... You know, you got to enjoy life. That was the other thing he wanted us to do. But I think so. it's also you're working hard in life, but you're not working hard in the things that you don't have to work for. You're not working hard right. to buy the things that you don't need. You know, I think it just goes back yeah. to that whole aspect of work smarter, not harder. Working smarter mm-hmm. means working smarter to create a life that you can fully enjoy it versus working harder, making more money to buy things you don't need in the long run. 
Yeah. I love the quote. Yeah. Do what you love and you'll love what you do. (laughs) Yeah. It's so true. And and sometimes you you have to do other stuff. I mean, I've worked with this woman who had a hundred rats in her apartment as pets. I was going to say as pets or as not pets. I was organizing lots of, (laughs) you know, I had to get dirty, but you know, in some aspects for me, it was fun. It was like a game. It was a challenge, but you you do what you got to do. But as long as you, like, I like to say, play yourself every day, do something Uh you love to do every day. Yeah. And that's great. Which once again, if I can't, if I can't uh, say this enough, once again, when you, I mean, for some people, you know, the, the, the jobs that they have, of course that, that makes perfect sense for them. But if you find at the end of the day that you're, you're not happy, you're not fulfilled. And if you're always thinking, I can't imagine my life being the same way over and over again or for the rest of my life, then obviously you need to have a change. And one of the biggest takeaways that I'm hearing now is from you is essentially it's the experiences which are fulfilling and the materialistic things, which are distracting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some people, you know, you have kids and you have to work and you have to take care of this and that. And I get it. But it's all that extra stuff like in your spare time. Are you cleaning and moving stuff? And it's just too much. It gets overwhelming for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And then unfortunately, our lives get out of balance because when we are done trying to maintain those things, well, there goes our energy to you know, to go out with, with your friends or go see a movie or go on a date or whatever those things may be or even go exercise. So it is true. It's just it's the output of your time um, is often mismanaged in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Felice, if my listeners would like to find out more information about you and about all the amazing things that you're doing, where would they find your information online? Uh, They can go to my website. It's FeliceCohen.com. Wonderful. Well, Felice, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I'm actually looking around my place right now, and I'm like, I'm very, I'm very grateful. I'm very happy with my place. So, so thank you for nice. giving me perspective and helping me also, once again, just love the decisions that I've made in my life and, and where I'm at as well. So thank you once again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I also want to thank you, the listener, for joining with us today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today. Also, please go to my website where you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy, watch my YouTube episodes, and read all the articles I've written just for you. If you'd like to become a guest or show sponsor, please visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. And of course, follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for joining with us today. I'll talk to you soon.